dead than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, Game Monday got me thinking about timing and spells. What I mean is, if you use the spell right, nothing to me makes, thrills me in a game than the creative use of a spell or ability. Something that you have to think out of the box for. Especially if it results in a house rule. In this case, my house rule. Not Carlos's house rule, who was running the game, but my house rule. It's one of those rulings, not rules things. And it just, it just, it was fun. We were fighting this giant, basically stone golem in one of the chambers in Astonishing Swordsman. And I happened to have the raw, I had a staff of the magi, staff of the mages, which had all these spells. And one of them was telekinesis. And there may have been another spell you could have covered with this, but the way I used it is this thing was just, it was, it was unstoppable because it was a magical construct that after so many rounds, it would regenerate hit points. So fortunately, we have some heavy hitters in our game. Like our Berserker, who with Boots of Speed, this game doesn't do the age thing with it. So he was doing like five attacks around with a magical item that would suck a soul, uh, suck the target's soul out of him on a natural 20. Well, that... Be that as it may, we were bashing and bashing and bashing this thing. And me being the mage of the party, the illusionist, thinks, hmm, I better stay back here. I uh, Yes, I have a weapon and things like that, but I'm going to stay back here and see what I can do. And at one point, it was it was like teetering on the brink, but it was starting to regen again. And I said, he says, my turn comes up, what are you going to do? He says... I want to use telekinesis to push him over. I'm not trying to move it. See, at that point, you're not trying to move anything. I just want to push him over. You know what I'm saying? And I, I managed to do that. Now, the way telekinesis works in Astonishing Swordsman, and I'm assuming first edition too, or I could be wrong. I'm just going to go by what this game does. In telekinesis, you can move 25 pounds per caster level. And a caster level is, it's like it's like the fighting ability. It's casting ability. You add it to your whatever role. And the staff of the mages casts everything as if it was a, a caster level of, a caster ability of 12. Now, that means 25 pounds per caster level, 12th level, that's 300 pounds. Unfortunately, that's the cap for the game because the game has a 12-level cap. And your caster level with, with mages, with 
with wizards, it goes up one per level. So you go, you're level five, you're a caster level five. And I was caster level seven, but I was casting at 12th level. So the maximum I can pick pick up and pick a, you know, move around is 300 pounds. But the, but the Carlos, the game master gave me a break and said, yeah, you can do it. There's no role involved to do it, but, and I, I confirmed this with the spell later. Yes, there is a sorcery saving throw and he failed his saving throw. So he, he, I basically pushed him down. And that statue had to be way in excess of 300 pounds. Because this thing was like 15 feet tall. And pretty massive. So, at that point, I saw that and thought, hmm, when I get back behind the screen, I'm going to rule that telekinesis can do more than 300 pounds if your goal is to do things like push something I mean, you're not pulling it or to push something, especially if the circumstances are right, to to make things like trip and fall, things like that. So that came out. That's going to be my house rule when I run it. Carlos was generous, and I'm going to talk to him about it. He says, hey, why don't we make it like you could do like times two your maximum if you're just doing something like that. So that may come as a house rule in his game, but at the same time, I like the idea and I'm glad I could help that way. And it's just me used, trying, to, trying to think out the box, basically. We'll talk more about this after, after this, whatever it is. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Okay, yeah. I like thinking out of the box like that. And that's the way most players, I think, should think a lot of the times. When, when I'm playing a fighter, and I learned how to do this in Champions, playing superheroes, because I would play a, a hero sometimes that was underpowered, not underpowered, but underpowered compared to his teammates. And I w- played one character called Dire Wolf, and that was a character built for the specific purpose of a certain point cost. I want to see how far I could go with a character who was quasi-magical, but at the same time had the abilities approximately of like Captain America. And so I wanted him, I wanted a character who was more physical than he had a magic ring, but his most of his stuff was like a rifle with stun pellets, a whip in his belt, and things like that. And he had martial arts. And I was like, I'm gonna play him like I would play Captain America. Cap would look at his look at what he's fighting at, look around him, see what he could use, things like that. And I th- that's got me to thinking about regular characters in like D and D and stuff. They should really try and be a little more tactical and use the things around them. And if they're magic users, there's a lot of spells there that, under the right circumstances, will 
work for the effect you want. There's always the dice rolls to screw you up a bit, but hey, that's part of the fun, you know, part of the chance. If you can get it to work, it was... And, and if the and if a, a game master is really rooting for the character, for the party, because to me, that's what a game master is all... You know, other than what I said, he's the narrator, but as far as taking sides, he does not take sides. But at the same time, he's one of those guys rooting for the characters to succeed. He's going to throw something up something at him. It's like, okay, show me what you got. That's the kind of, that's the way I would run games. Cause like, come on guys, you can do this. Go, go, go. You know, that kind of thing. That's why I like to run. I, I only want to be the, the one running evil characters. Cause I want to put stuff against them and just see what they do. You know, I'm, I'm not going to try And I may overbalance it. I never know. They always say that the old school gamers, the old school games, you know, counterbalance. That's why I don't worry about it anymore. I never, really, never did. It's just, but I, my, my philosophy is I will never knowingly unbalance the encounter, but at the same time, I do a lot of eyeballing and spitballing, and it's like, hmm. I think this is a fair fight. I think this is a fair fight. If it's not a fair fight, I will let him know. Like I said, I will not knowingly give them an unbalanced encounter. Um, okay, let me let me put the caveat out there. I will not knowingly give them an unbalanced encounter unless I tell them first. But I'm not going to tell them right off. They're going to start fighting this, and I'm going to give every indication they're in over their heads until I finally have to come out. Maybe the second round is like, guys, you're in over your heads. What are you going to do? Because I want a good, fair fight, but at the same time, I'm not going to go into mathematics and do that. So that's why I'm saying the players start got to start thinking outside the box, especially the magic users, the clerics, the wizards. They should start thinking like, how can I turn this to our advantage using the, what I have at hand? Well, the same thing with the fighters and the thieves, but but you know they have all these nice spells that were for this purpose. But can I use it for that purpose too? You know, a fire mage in the middle of a winter setting is going to be more effective than in a regular setting. Things like if you have, a, if you can cast fireball and you've got a horde of yetis coming at you on a pass and you look up and see all this snow and stuff, what I would do. And I wouldn't waste a fireball on them. I'd fireball above them and cause an avalanche. As long as you can figure out if if the, everybody is, you know, you got to look at the, you got to look at the battlefield. You got to look at the, f the field and see where everybody is. And if you can angle it right, hit hit it with a fireball and just melt enough snow where all that stuff comes crashing down on them. That way, you take care of a lot, if a lot, if not all of them. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about, thinking thinking outside the box. My friend, I, I did a Labyrinth Lord game, 
and my my friend Matt, the game master, came up with a a uh, beer elemental. Only Matt, a beer elemental that was giving us some problem problems until the cleric decided to throw purify food and wa- food and drink on it, and neutralize the whole thing. It just became puddle of beer or something like that. So that's thinking outside the box. I love stuff like that. Another time, I've told this before, another time, another Labyrinth Lord game. It always seems to be Labyrinth Lord. I don't know why. But in another game, I was playing uh, Mage and we couldn't get at the guy, at the bad guy because he was up there in front of the, behind the altar with the person we were supposed to res- rescue and he throws Blade Barrier up between us and the altar. And it's like, how are we going to get in? I said, I got a way. Fighter, come here. Dimension door to the spot to on top of the altar. I said, go. And I pushed the fighter through. And uh, that's how you do it. That's how you think outside the box. Uh, that's such an overused phrase that I've used now. So, But you get the idea of what I'm talking about. That's the way you got to think. I'm not saying think tactically because I'm a lousy tactician, but I can. See, this is why I don't play chess because you got to get think so many moves ahead. At this, while you're thinking the moves ahead, he may do the opponent may do something different. So you have to re, you constantly have to refigure, rejigger stuff in your head. Well, I can only think of one move at a time, maybe ahead one move at a time, and if things are right it'll work i'll rejigger stuff if somebody else does something or if the bad guy gets killed off early or whatever i don't have to worry about it but i'm you know you're always and this is good player this is good player play this is the way players are supposed to play you know it's it's like what when when the gm comes around says what do you do you should know what you're going to do Look at what's going on and and act accordingly, but try and figure a way where you can get the most bang for your buck out of your spells, out of your situation, or whatever. Anyway, got a little long-winded with that, so I'll let you go there. I'm going to go start my day. So, if you want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognard at gmail.com, or you can drop me a voicemail on Anchor. We're funded now, or monetized, so as little as 99 cents a month, you too can support this program, and I would thank you. Thank you again, Jonathan, Oliver, Mark, Gilbert, Juan Carlos, and Daniel. You guys are great. And don't forget Barsky Wallring's podcast, The Yawning Albert. And if you guys got any podcasts or anything you want me to mention, I will. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. (laughs) 